This episode of the Round 6 Podcast is brought to you by Trailer Tug, the world's strongest trailer dolly. Learn more at TrailerTug.com. Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion featuring a variety of automotive subjects, interviews, special guests, and stories, hosted by the Round 6 Gearheads, Brian Stupski, Alex Welsh, and Brad King. Here on episode 54, the Gearheads are proud to welcome Pro Street legend, IndyCar parts mogul, and all-around nice guy, Matt Hay. Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Brad. I'm Alex. And I'm Matt. Hey, there hey. we go. <laughs> I knew that last name would come in handy. <laughs> hey, that's all we've got tonight. Thanks a lot, kids. No, Thanks man. for having me. Hey. <laughs> that was easy. See, I told you it's going to be quick. It, it seems a lot quicker when you're on the air. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because listening to it just drags on. <laughs> and with that, get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, man thanks for coming tonight man yeah, thanks for having me this is awesome we've been trying to get together for a while we have and uh now here you are you're you, oh you're in the inner sanctum you are deep in the well, i don't want to say deep in the bowels of the, uh, the <laughs> i feel like a movement <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I should have. I should have just left everything in that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, it's so times. close. It was indeed. Oh, yeah. So thanks for coming, though, man. Thanks for uh, braving the uh, the cross valley traffic. Oh yeah, intense. It was. It was pretty damn intense. Yeah, because you. Uh, what? A, it's like what a ten mile trek. It took you about forty five minutes. Yes, it did. But it was the wrong time of night, that's for sure. Mm. I should have thought that through. We could have had you come by. We should have done this at like midnight. That'd been we'll, good. We'll do one of those next time. Yeah. We'll do a whole, uh, like a whole Halloween special. Ghouls and everything. <laughs> Ooh. A uh, Halloween special. <laughs> I'm going to dress as someone attractive. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> Yeah, you guys all bought all the masks. <laughs> anyway. Wow, this whole thing went sideways right off the Man. bat. This is awesome. And this is this is the most I've seen you in, uh, well, our whole lives, really, in, in the past, like, few days. I've seen you, no, this is twice in, like, four days. It is. Good times, man. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely. Good times. Yeah, we uh, Matt and I went out for uh, for lunch on Saturday sat around and we we talked a lot about uh, this guy brad mm. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna meet that guy sometimes. last name slips my mind but yeah it was brad and, and the last yeah. time we we met there was food involved so did you when he showed up you just hand him a toothpick or how did that or a toothbrush or how did that go <laughs> i handed him the check, <laughs> the check. <laughs> <laughs> there we were on my tandem bicycle riding through the, the drive-thru <laughs> 
So this is how this goes. Gosh, I've been missing out. I want to steer this time. Yeah. <laughs> Try looking up Brian's ass. Hey. Well, I think this is the first time I got the pleasure to talk to Alex. Yes. You called yes. it a pleasure. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. So are you disappointed or are you okay with it? Uh, no, no. no it's quick, okay to be disappointed. <laughs> Try that 54 episodes and see if you still say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, for our listeners who don't know, uh, Matt Hay, uh, name synonymous with uh, Pro Street Legendary. Huh? How about that? Is that even and, Dor- and Doritos. And Doritos. Doritos. Yeah, for oh, you yeah. stoners out there. Legendary. And rap stars. That, and rap wow. stars. And Backstreet Boys. Just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless, if I'm, I guess I could probably come up with better names to drop. <laughs> no, that's all right. I mean, what the Backstreet Boys? Well, it wasn't like the rapper. What? What is my favorite name lately for a rapper? Lil Pump. Lil Pump rapper. Lil Pump is good. That's a solid name. Yeah. Well, this this uh, rapper Chance the rapper. He's a he's a pretty decent guy. I yeah. had no idea who he was when they uh, uh, started this uh, the commercial filming, and and uh, by the end of the night, you know, I thought, well, this guy's a pretty cool dude. And then uh, we did some, you know, reading and listening to him, and thought, hey. Guys, legit. Awesome. So, of course, we all know the Backstreet Boys. And, Not know. me. <laughs> I tried out. <laughs> <laughs> I said, to stick to the Backstreet Alley, Matt. So, <laughs> back alley. Back, so, well, since we're talking, back alley, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I tried to put. I, I, I thought he said backseat boys. That's why I put him on the back of the tandem bike. <laughs> I'm here till Tuesday. Try the veal. <laughs> hey, Alex, is it dolphin safe veal? Yes. <laughs> the veal safe dolphin. You know, either yes. way. Our veal was not caught in net. It's net free uh, dolphin veal. veal. That's right. Yeah. Free it's range. It's never been online. So, uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of speaking of the commercial, let's just start there. Heck with it. Um, so, I know the story, but let's pretend I don't. Hey, so how did you end up with the Doritos commercial deal? Well, on a serious note, we uh, uh, several years ago, we Deb and I uh, were fortunate to be able to uh, join a club out of California called the Television Motion Picture Car Club, made up a bunch of guys in the film industry, guys and girls, stunt women, stunt men, and producers and writers, just any guy that was in gal that was you know, into the cars. And uh, they started, I'm not sure when they started up, but about five years ago we joined and um, uh, we were kind of got in because we were going to do a commercial uh, or a television episode for the NCIS uh, Los Angeles. And uh, that essentially fell through, but uh, they had our cars on registry and everything like that. So there's a, a fella that's part of the club that owns a, a company that supplies cars and props and things for the movie and television industry. And he had called me up uh, about a month prior to shooting a commercial and said, Hey, we got this deal going that we might, you know, we might need the Thunderbird for this uh, shoot. And I said, well, that's great. And I said, is it going to be like a 
page, you know, a picture uh, ad or something like that, or is it going to be uh, commercials? Oh, no, it's going to be a commercial. So, you know, all right, cool. So, and, and we've had about three or four of these that fall through because they, those guys change their minds overnight. The producers, are, you know, how they want something to go down, and, and which we've learned real quick. You know, just, you know, if we hear a deal, we say, well, it's not done until it's done. So he'd call me then and say, hey, you know, they want your car and they have a specific deal in mind. And so we they gave us about two or three day notice when we went over to California and it was shot at the uh, Ontario Airport in California. And um, we got there and said, oh, yeah, by the way, this is going to be for the commercial uh, for the Super Bowl. So we thought, yeah, that's awesome. And that's how that came about, and the rest is history. It was a fun day. It's about 16 hours of shooting and, and uh, a neat experience. Very cool. So, and you've gotten a lot of feedback. There was a whole lot of uh, a lot of chatter about that online, to say the yeah. least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still a lot. I mean, last night I was watching it. Was just people are saying, "Hey, I just saw this ad on uh, TV because they're still running it. It was, you know, the commercial for." The Super Bowl, and then it's on all kinds of other networks, and it's still running. It's on YouTube, almost 12 million views on YouTube. Wow! Yeah, so, <laughs> for for corn chips. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's still running on television, and guys are still posting things. Hey, I just saw this, and, and many of the people that see it don't know who the heck Deb and I are. They just say, "Hey, we just saw this Thunderbird Pro Street car, you know, and this is really cool, and you know." Didn't like the music so much, you know. It's the car guys, but I, I tell you, really, not not being biased or anything, but I I, I thought the music was pretty good. I, <laughs> I it was wasn't right. bad. I didn't have any problem with yeah, it. No, it. It wasn't Barry Manilow, but it was good. Well, you know, that's how we start every show here. Slow dances with Brian and Barry. That's. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Aren't you glad you're in the studio tonight? This is a. And we, so, do, we do we do karaoke after this is all over with, man. So uh, don't don't leave. Oh, okay, great. No, nope, I've got my karaoke shoes on. Can you see? <laughs> oh, nice. I got them for tonight. They're nice. For okay, squeaky so... ones on. We're gonna do a chipmunk song. <laughs> hey, I didn't understand why I had to wear a name badge. <laughs> oh, you'll understand in about twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a reason for it. <laughs> Have some more water. I'm parched. If you have to ask, you, you'll know. You look really thirsty, man. You should probably have some more. Why do I have this feeling at the end of the week? Brian's going to say, we had to edit the entire show. Can you come back Tuesday? <laughs> oh, you thought you were leaving. I mean, go, go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, he walks in. The first thing I said was, come on downstairs, check out the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Just installed it. Installed <laughs> it. <laughs> For me. She's like, what's all these chunks of concrete outside? I was like, oh, I put in a basement this week. This is a slab yeah. home, right? It was. Uh. <laughs> so what was cool to me was when we were talking about the uh, the commercial over the weekend, you had mentioned that you were given a cool title. Yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so is... had the contracts and all the paperwork and everything. And <clears throat> since they were, uh, you know, SAG, uh, Everybody has to be on legit. And so they made me precision driver. 
Wow. Wow. So I got to drive precisionly. <laughs> in your in your own car so there you go yes yeah. yes i uh, <clears throat> they uh there's a couple of guys that really there were some stunt drivers there that uh, uh worked on a lot of different movies and uh television shows and they were they were pretty good people and giving me the ins and outs even though what i did and what you saw in the in the commercial itself was basically a straight line run we did a lot of takes there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff that they they didn't put the print, if you will, and they didn't show that, you know, at first I, I didn't know what I was doing. And then, so it's a couple of stunt coordinator drivers uh, gave me some pointers. And they, they volunteered you said, you want, you know, we'll just drive, you know, want us to do it. And I looked at the other guy and this, the, the lead, the lead guy said, you know, Matt, if, if it was me, I wouldn't want anybody driving it by my, myself. You know, I think you ought to do it. And I looked at Deb and she said, ah, go for it. You know, I didn't want to mess it up. <laughs> It turned out it was. It turned out I'm. You know I'm glad I did, and it was fairly easy work. It was just uh, talking with the uh, one of the uh, directors that was on the moving truck. You know he's the, the driver said, "Hey Matt, says, you know give us a head start because you know I'm sure you're going to come right out of the hole and we're not going to be able to keep up with this is a huge movie truck cameras. I think there was 11 guys on the truck itself, um, um, hanging off wow. one or the other, and uh, yeah we counted 11 and. Um, so he said, give me a head start. So I let him take off and I'd take off. You know, he thought I was going to like do some sort of a hole shot or something. And I just kept up, you know, I think we did 45 to 50 mile an hour on that. So it was, it was easy, but uh, the, the kind of a funny thing was, is I was uh, constantly uh, in touch with him via, you know, a little walkie talkie. And with the, the, you know, the roar of the Thunderbirds sitting there just idling. And because I had the window, they wanted me to have the windows up. And I don't have a whole lot of insulation on the floor, so it was just kind of rumbling in there. <clears throat> and I saw the director starting to motion me to do this and go this way, so I pushed the button to talk, and I was like trying to listen. And you know, for the first couple of times, I just wasn't thinking. I had my finger on the button, and he's like screaming at me. I could see him. I could see him, but I couldn't hear him. <laughs> Pretty soon, he's I can see. He's just he's just motioning at me, motioning. He's like, hey, take your finger off the, you know the. <laughs> I don't want to, I can't say it on air here, but, but, uh, that was, uh, quite an experience. So yes, precision driver. I did it without piling the car up or taking out anybody on the, on the set. All those years of nitrous holding on the button didn't, didn't work to your advantage this time. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, the final take of that was uh, fun. Uh, I think it was four or five takes. I can't remember, but. The last one, I had the microphone, the walkie-talkie on the seat, and we're right at the start, anyways. And you know, again, I can't say what he, he actually said on air, but he goes, you know, sink down a little lower in the seat, start bopping your head around like you're, you know, singing rap music, and then just start singing. And he said every nasty word. <laughs> and this is this is going out all over there. Everybody's got a walkie-talkie, so you know, this is going out all over the place. <laughs> so. I said, okay, boss. And uh, that's what I did. At least you were holding the button for that. That would have been great. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> can, can you do a rap for us here on the... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> can you freestyle one? <laughs> yeah. There, did you like it? Did you see that? That was good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry we had to edit that out. Matt, it got a little dicey. 
I was wondering how they did it to where they made it look like it was Chance driving the car. Did they have you in like a Gary Coleman outfit or something? Jeez. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, in the shot that you see me driving down the road, there's like three shots. There's more shots if you look at the YouTube version. But yeah, they, they put me in uh, the, the Chance's wardrobe uh, person came up. And she was a nice gal. And she was, you know, and she was putting her hat on me. And, and then she had this shirt. <laughs> It's like I don't know if I can get into that, but I put it on and it was is a bit tight and we put the hat on. They set it just so now don't touch it. That's the way we want it. So I had to sit a little lower in the seat. You Give your ears nice and tucked into a flat billed hat. <laughs> yeah, they, they broke broke out the hot glue gun and put the hat on. <laughs> Ow! Ow! It's yeah. perfect. Yeah, that that meant to provoke a rap song right there. Wardrobe comes over says, "So, are you a Raiders fan?" You're like, "No, not really. You are now." Yeah, yeah. Guess what? It's gonna build into the head. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite an experience dealing with these people, but I'm sure they felt the same about me. So, like, oh no. I wonder if there's like an opposite version of that. Maybe someday they'll do a commercial where Chance the Rapper has to play you, and then be like, "Okay, yeah." Uh, what I want you to do is want you to sit up really tall in the seat. Yeah. You're singing a, a Pat Boone song. <laughs> Pat Boone and Barry Manilow. Wear this golf hat. Yeah. Golf hat. Yeah. Visor. A song from South Pacific. <laughs> don't forget the pocket protector. You guys are, for those who don't know me, they're going to get a real rosy picture of what I look like. Oh, well, wait till you see what Matt does in the Photoshop. Yeah, it's no not... chance the rapper. <laughs> no chance the rapper. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying you're white, but I mean, we, we turned the house lights down when you came into the studio. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a good look on me. The oh, reflection off of Matt so burned my shadow into the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so white I could catch a sunburn in a movie theater. <laughs> So, okay, let's let's try to make some semblance of, uh, I don't know, some kind of logic out of this. (laughs) Well, let's Tarantino this. We're going backwards now. Uh So we've got, uh, you got the the T-Bird and a Doritos commercial. Mm -hmm. This is the second coming of the T-Bird. Yes. Which is pretty... Pretty damned awesome when you get down to it. I don't need to tell you that. When you've got the car in your garage, you know how awesome this is. Yeah, well, I tell you what, I think I told you the other day, it's, um, Deb and I had no expectations the second go around. You know, we went back for the uh, the reunion at the Nationals in 2013, and we were one of the few guys that what they dubbed as legends. Made me feel old. <laughs> it's like legends. Oh, I mean, I remember reading books in grade school about legends. Oh. They didn't say relics. You know? <laughs> relics. <laughs> the relics of Pro Street. That's good. That'll be next time. In fact, that's probably going to be this. Year. Here we go. So, anyhow, we were one of the few uh, uh, people that didn't have their original cars or one of their, their brand name cars at the event. And so, you know, everybody, what are you going to do? Where's this? What's that? You know, you're going to build another one. And, and, and uh, you know, it really, the bug bit us. And uh, I was kind of surprised that Doug, uh, Deb was really into it. She, you know, we kind of learned to cope with 
not being around this stuff for a lot of years. And um, so I can remember Sunday night after it was all over, we went back to the hotel room and, and, and I said, you know, should I build another car? And she goes, you better build one. And I thought, well, this is great. And then the whole night I was thinking, tossing, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And <clears throat> in the past, I've always had what I wanted to build in my head, you know, 90% done in my head. <clears throat> and that's what we stuck to, you know, and that's what I would build. And I just, I don't know in this market what I'd want to do. So the opportunity came along to buy the Thunderbird. You know, I, I located it and took a lot of doing to, to get it from this guy. He said, well, I want to sell it. I want to sell it to you. So we ended up buying the car and uh, I think we got it fairly reasonable for what it is and what it was, <clears throat> but it needed a ton of work and a ton of money to, to get it back to where it was. So it was kind of a gamble. So we're just basically trying to do it to maybe just relive a little bit of the old days. And and so I get, I'm restoring the car, and, and I think it's about the time I took it over to Squeegees to have it painted again. They were the ones that originally painted it the first time in 88. And I, I wanted to call Ravel, because Ravel did a model of it in 1990. Right. And <clears throat> I wanted to call them to see if I could, if I still had the rights to any Ravel lingo or logos or, you know, talk about them or anything like that on, in, in print or, and I get a hold of this uh, gentleman and he goes, Hey, I remember that I worked on this and, and, uh, I don't know. I'd have to check with legal on this, but I think all your contracts and stuff have been expired and, I, and I'm pretty sure they were myself, but I, you know, I wanted to try it. And he says, but we're thinking about re-releasing your kit. I said, you're, I can't believe it because I just bought the car back. <laughs> you know, this is going to work out great. <clears throat> and he said, I'll let you know in a couple of weeks. So uh, a couple of weeks went by and he said, yep, we're going to go. We're going to redo it. He said they, they had all the molds. They still had all that. Yeah, but instead of molding it in pink this time, they uh, molded it in white. Uh, because I think probably 99% of the people out there that built it back in the 90s painted it more of a correct pink than the Ravel pink was. Right. So... That was that was fun, and then we and we got it done and took it back uh, to Decoin, Illinois, which is the big mecca for the street machine nationals, and we were received really well. And, and you know, I was surprised that a lot of people remembered us. I, I really was. I mean, and a lot of them were guys and girls that we didn't. They were young when we were back there. I mean, we're talking eight, nine, ten, twelve years old back when we were doing it back in the seventies and eighties. And now they're all, you know, adults got their own kids. <laughs> they're bringing their own kids to these shows. So it was a little bit overwhelming. And then we just kept getting uh, other deals to do the car with. And, and uh, Jeff Smith, uh, he's, he was very gracious and did some nice articles on us, you know, some comeback articles. And uh, Toby Brooks uh, of course. with RPM Magazine. And Toby was a big, you know, he was a big contributor to getting the Street Machine Nationals back, you know. He, you know, he, he worked hard to get it all back together, and then uh, he did some really nice ink on us. So, we, you know, it's not, we owe a lot of people. We just didn't arrive. It was, you know, oh, it, a lot of people uh, made this happen as far as getting us back in the, in the, in the limelight, if you will. So, yeah, and did really well at some of the events with some of the, we didn't we didn't go back to win awards we never entered anything you know we've, we've been there and done that uh, but then we had a couple of nice surprises of you know the car was 
30 years old and we won best engineered again. <laughs> you know, wow. I, I said, I, I looked at Dev and I said, I must not have seen very many cars here because <laughs> there's, there's got to be something out there that's better engineered than this thing. But no, we're fortunate to get that and a few other nice awards the second go around. So, and then it's so awesome. And what we found out too is getting back a little bit to the Doritos commercial is the uh, one of the ad uh, um, producers, art guys that was in charge of getting this Doritos commercial going saw our car somewhere and he couldn't remember. I talked to him on the set and he said, I, I just saw your car somewhere and I couldn't remember that pink Thunderbird's what we need for this ad with the flaming hot. Doritos and all that stuff. We just that would look really good, and it is '80s. It goes back to the Backstreet Boys. It ties all together, and that's that's when he got a hold of Phil at the Next Pictures. It's his business. He said, uh, "Hey, I'm looking for this car." And Phil goes, "Hey, Matt's a friend of mine. I got his car." <laughs> just so happens. Yeah, here we go. So, yeah, that's that's it. That could have gone a really different way had you sat down that night and gone, okay, I've got my idea. We're going to build a Corsica LTZ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're going to keep it front-wheel drive. That's, That's right. right. We're building a Citation. We, we'd be talking all about the Depends commercial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got this call to do Depends. Yeah, I'm... Okay, in this next take, <laughs> sit really tense. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's so many great builders out there anymore. You know, so it's not back when we were building it. It was a you know a group of guys and some girls out there that were just building cars. Where there's no big shops. You know, we were all building these things out of our garages. That was the cool part. That whole era was yeah. a lot of yep. like home built garage regular built. folks. Right. Oh, yeah, Deb and I built in the garage, you know, uh, Rick Doberton built in garage, um, Rod Sabery, Scott Sullivan, Rocky Robertson, Mark Grimes. They were all, you know, we didn't have shops and employees doing this, and we just built, you know, in the garages. I, I you know, my garage door was my metal bender for <laughs> Seriously, lift it up, slide a piece of metal between the slats, and sl slam the door. And it worked great. <laughs> In my eyes, the scrutineers, the scrutineers probably goes, oh, he's got a garage door. <laughs> gold chainer. Yeah, he's the gold chainer. He's yeah. his garage door. Yeah, yeah. But, he's know, got it's too a, nice of a door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a term. door slammer. <laughs> there you go. Oh. That's where the term comes from. Oh, we got to That's right. to play this out. <laughs> Doors. You can't do that with an electric garage door opener. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> In fact, I don't know. Brad, you were there. You, you noticed how I opened this, closed the door by my hand, right? Oh, I yeah. didn't use a garage door because I unhooked it so I could do exactly what I was doing with the metal. I That's lift it up and funny. adjust a little bit and slam it in there. You need a good wooden door to do that these days. How many times did you crush your fingers until you figured out where not to put your hand? I did. I did. But, no, it was, <laughs> it was tricky. It was tricky. Yeah, seriously. Looking at Matt's hands right now, normally you say like sausage fingers, but that's all like pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> like flapjack fingers. Boy, you, can, you should see me swim. <laughs> uh, I was going to enter the Olympics, you know, but uh, that was back when Mark Spitz was big. Yeah. yeah they said, no, I was altered. <laughs> I was enhanced.
<laughs> like a guy trying to swim with two catcher's mitts. <laughs> That's right. Today you could get away with it, though. You just told me you're an, an amphibious American. You know? That's right. I identify <laughs> a platypus. A platypus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is staying right on track. You asked me earlier, said, you guys notes for, you guys have notes for this? <laughs> a pin and a fool has to edit this. No, <clears throat> notes. That was question seven. <laughs> This will be great, yeah. For anyone listening out there, if you think this is like rigidly uh, <laughs> written or planned, well, I got a, I got a question. We're gonna, we're gonna get serious for two seconds here. Oh, great! Just two seconds. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you got into the pro street thing. That was, that was kind of your uh, claim to fame as going the pro street. Why, why did you go pro street and not, and not build a street rod or you know build like an early Ford or or uh, or something? I mean, obviously a Ford gag because you get into the whole Mustang and T Bird and. And that, why did you decide to do a later model stuff instead of going to the, uh, to the early stuff? Uh, I, w- you know, I would say to answer that question right off the bat is when I was 15 or 16 years old, I was looking at old street rods, you know, American graffiti was out it had just come out and just looking at, uh, this is cool. And even though they were really cheap back then in the early seventies, you know, 32s and 33s and 40 Fords and all those good things were, it was still expensive to me. I mean, they were still 1000 or $1,500, you know, to buy once. <clears throat> and uh, I didn't have that kind of money. And uh, so my first car was a 66 Mustang. And um, I think that's what started it, just getting into the late model cars. You know, if, if I would have had the opportunity to buy, I remember looking at a, I believe it was a 32. It was down at a, it was down at an old uh, salvage yard. The guy had it. He knew it was a decent car. He put it and put it inside, but he pulled it out of these, this old salvage yard, and he wanted eighteen hundred dollars for it, which back then was all the money in the world. Like eighteen hundred dollars. I had eighteen dollars. You know? <laughs> Seriously. So too many zeros. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with the zeros? <laughs> I looked at this guy square in the eye. I said, "What's up with the zeros?" <laughs> So that's, I, you know, 66 Mustang, and that's where I went. And from there, I bought a, I uh, traded it in on a 69 Mustang uh, that uh, had a 351 in it, uh, but it was shot. And, uh, but, I mean, it, it ran good. I bought it. It was a nice car, beautiful interior, and, and uh, but it, uh, the, the motor was gone. So a buddy of mine, Larry Hertzler, and myself, we got it in our mind one time to put a new motor in it so i got in the the, the used car ads and found somebody that was had an old cougar 68 cougar that had a 351 windsor in it i believe and uh they were selling that for like 150 bucks so we went over and got the motor out of the car and that was my first attempt to do anything mechanical on a car was swapping the motor <laughs> i remember <laughs> I remember i was stumped i couldn't figure out how to take the dry shaft off <laughs> wow you were over your head from the very beginning oh, yeah we jacked the car up and i well first of all i think this dry shaft's got to come off and we looked at i seriously yeah. kid you not and a dear friend of ours he since passed his name was jerry wiggins and he let us use his barn to do this swap and we wanted to do it in a, a night and one night we wanted to do it because i needed the car to drive the next day and he comes out and he was, he was a gearhead. He knew what was going on. It's his child's play. And, and he shows me, he gets out of, like I said, I think they're a half inch or nine sixteenths, those little nuts that are on the 
the U-bolts that hold the, the universal joint on and, and yanks those off. And we, Larry and I looked at each other and goes, wow, that guy knows everything. <laughs> so, you know, wow. I felt like Owen Wilson. Wow. So I just went from there and Larry and I worked on it the rest of the night and got it running by probably six or seven in the morning and that's the rest is history. So, so we stuck with the, or I stuck with the uh, late model stuff and then uh, met Deb and, and the rest is history. Man, so following that Mustang, let's say, whatever happened to that Mustang? That, at 69, I had all the way through high school, had some good times in that thing, cruising town and all that. And then, you know, I had a buddy of ours painted. It was green. It was that Mustang green, you know, Mach 1 slash 69 green. It had a black interior, so I... Oh, perfect. Yeah, so we painted it black. And back then, it was, that's when art, what's that, op art? Pop art was big and scallops and fish scales and this guy could do all that. So I had him do all that. I think he charged me 50 bucks for the whole paint shop. And, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I got and a six, $30. And a six pack. Brad, that's what you still get today, right? Yeah, that's right. It paints well back now. It's, it's things, oh, you know, wow. economy. You're, yeah, moving you're moving up. So anyhow, I had that all the way through high school and I graduated and there was a another night. Uh, I was driving around town in that thing, and, I, and there was a six an, a '66 Mustang, another one that was had uh, Vegas plates on it. Uh, you know, in, in Nevada, and it was uh, the thing was it was that maroon. It was just not a spot of rust on it. And I go, man, I still like these '66s. So I remember putting a little note on it and saying, hey, if you ever want to sell this thing. You know, and I got a call that night. He said three hundred dollars. Wow, <laughs> three hundred bucks for a rust-free '66 Mustang, which was, you know, back then, kind of in the ballpark. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> you know. Was, so I sold uh, the '69 uh, to a friend of mine, and, and I think I got fifteen hundred dollars out of that. So now, you know, I've got twelve hundred dollars left to make the 66 of these so uh first thing i did with that is pulled the 289 out of it and put a 351 in that one too i believe yes i think so yes and that's back when street freak was still big prior to pro street so i got went down to the fleener auto store and bought m5014s and the widest rims and stuff they were sticking out and there's our first hot rod magazine photo was a picture of that you'll see it it's um, show me your show me your picture. Show me the picture. He's yeah, holding it up right now. Yeah. Okay. There now you see, go. See the gold reels. <laughs> I see that. They're center lines, and everybody thought those things were really bitching because they're gold center lines. Said, Where'd you get those? Where'd you get those? Did you have manadies? I said nope. Uh, uh, I was friends with Fred Sibley and Fred Sibley uh, Senior Jet Car Fame. <clears throat> they lived in Elkhart, and we'd go over there and hang out in their shop. And they, one of their big sponsors was VHT, and they had spray on. VHT anodizing in all different colors. And they, they had stacks of this stuff because of sponsorship. <laughs> and I remember Fred, Fred Silly Jr. gave me a case of them. You know, I said, well, I could do the whole car. <laughs> cool anodized car. I'm going to anodize my whole car. Cool, this is going to be cool. This is and after about 12 runs, <laughs> I wiped them off. But yeah, so I did the rims. 
and you know to this day people are still saying i love the gold anodized rims and i try and i set them straight now it's just paint but that's what it was that's awesome though. so you'll see that that's the one see that i'm holding up the picture right you viewers yeah with his left hand that's right yeah and for, the, for those of you that are using braille right now just <laughs> yeah you can kind of get the idea but, <laughs> so that was uh went back to the 66 and and with that, I, I guess I left out of a little point. In that time when I was, it had a uh, 350, 389, 351, and then I went ahead and um, the 351 was shot in a, in a speed shop in you know, local to us. It was a big speed shop, of, you know, in northern Indiana. And um, they, I got to know the owner real well. And a, a, fellow of mine, a friend of mine had a 350 LT1 block that he sold me dirt cheap. And I said, let's do something different. Let's put a Chevy in this thing. So decided to do that. And that was just prior before we tubbed it. You know, I, we did awesome. have the Chevy and the, and the fat tire sticking out the side of it, you know, for less than a year. And then uh, we decided to go Pro Street, which wasn't called Pro Street back then. It was just, I don't know if you called it tubbed. It was just, just you know. Car car with big tires <laughs> under it yeah, cars yeah. so that was leading up to the uh pro street era and we went down to the street machine nationals in indianapolis in 1978 was our first year and uh with with the street street look on the 66 and i remember seeing two or three cars and i think one of them was scott sullivan's Nova, the blue Nova he had, blue which was, you yeah. know, that was the Mots. That car was everything, you know. I, I think it, it won everything, too, I remember. And then, which I thought was killer. I thought, oh, look, look at those tires up underneath it. You know, they look, but, but what actually did it for me, there was a, some guy had like a duster down there. And, you know, a stock duster, I'm not sure what year they were, but they were, you know, kind of a fastback looking thing. And a stock duster, if you look at it, there was so much tire room you know, wheel well there from side to side. And, and this guy had a tubbed one. It was tubbed. And that's, that's what I told Deb. I said, we got to do this. If he can make a duster look that good. No, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about a stock duster. You know, that, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I had no friends that would say, I'm saving up my money to buy a stock duster. And put some E78 14s on the back with white walls and hubcaps. I'd never yeah. say that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow that that got me hooked on the on the, the pro street uh movement and you know things that i've talked to you on brian and, and uh brad is you know and alex since you're here now mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh you know I, I i back then i was just getting on my own and, and you know getting a job and working and stuff and and I didn't have the money to buy that stuff, the, the rear ends and things. So uh, Jerry down at uh, Competition Engineering had a uh, Super Comp Corvette that was a pretty famous car. It won some, you know, Wally Awards and stuff in HRA events. He had some records and he wanted to get a new rear end. This was a Dana, Dana 60. And uh, he had a, he told me he'd sell me the rear end, the wheels and the tires. It was slicks for $1,500. Like, wow, that's awesome. Cause I was looking for them, you know, you know, to build one. And, and I, I said, that's awesome, but I don't have 15 bucks right now. You know, I was just getting by. And uh, that's when Deb uh, 
went down to the bank with her dad and co-signed a loan to get me that rear end. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. So that's when I knew she was a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> Prior to that, everything was up in the air. <laughs> you could take that out of context and you could say, yeah. you know, it was, it, was, it was the rear end that brought you and Deb together. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. She had me by the rear end. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's got that, and I, for the first five years of Pro Street, I ran around on slicks, and we drove that car everywhere. We really did. I mean, if it was a long event, I, you know, I'm not going to lie to anybody out there. You know, there's trailer queens and there's trailer queens, and we've had our share of hauling cars on trailers, but uh, locally, we drove that car a lot you know, in our town and all over, short trips here and there. And But <clears throat> if we were going somewhere a good distance, we'd put it on the trailer, especially since it had the slicks, because I've been caught in rain with those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sideways down the road is no fun. <laughs> oh, looks good when smoke and tires, but when you got the brakes on, <laughs> no. No, brake lights are burning and going sideways. Well, I, di I didn't know about this until Brian and I, we were talking about this last night. And it was a Pro Street related deal. And apparently there's there's rules with Pro Street. Is uh is there like a rule book and who started this thing anyway, do you know? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, it's it's as I was telling Brian the other day, I was a little hesitant. You know, I, I hate bringing it up in this day and age to other guys out there that are building Pro Streets and wanting to know this. And if you ever get on the internet and you see these arguments people have about what constitutes a Pro Street, it's like you just gotta stay out of it. But it was um, started back uh, in the very early 80s uh, by, by competition engineering. Everyone had coined the phrase. And there's a gentleman that uh, worked there that's become, you know, we became good friends over the years. His name was Fred Gurley. Probably still is Fred Gurley. His name probably still is. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Unless he changed it. But his, Kept his maiden name. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, they want they saw you know these few cars out there that were tubbed if you will and they wanted to you know do something that made them legal so they wanted to you know they wanted to have all the aspects of a pro stock car because that's you know that's what i was trying to you know make was a pro stock looking car because that was those cars were just they were my favorite drag cars back in the day because you can relate to them and chevy ford pontiac you know dusters and <laughs> kind of go in the other room. <laughs> and that's when the podcast ended. Yeah. But so he, they, they came up with this ruling and, and there was an actual, you know, a list of rules and it was, you know, it had to be a street legal car, but it had to have all the safety features of a pro stock car. It had to be, it had to be tubbed. Uh, and, you know, it had to be, you know, primarily all metal car. I think there was, you could have a hood, uh, glass hood, deck lid, and maybe a nose. I uh, can't remember for sure about that, if that was a deal, but uh, I know a glass hood and deck lid you could have, because that's the pro stock cars guys could do that. And, but it had to be, you had to have a horn, you had to have wipers, backup lights, all, obviously all your lights had to work. Uh, you had to have a fire extinguisher, uh, at least a six point roll cage, and they had to have mufflers, it really, you know, just everything. Everything a race car would have. It had a window net, and then everything a, a 
streetcar would have. Um, and the ruling, I, the ruling, I think, fifty percent of the points was the registration. So when you went to these the pro street, you know, contest or you know, deal, you could have the most bitch and pro street in the world, but if you know you didn't have a, a, a you know regist registration or a legal license, the plates had to be updated too. You couldn't show up with a plate that was a month out of date. They would just say, "Well, there's you'd knock you 50 points right there." <clears throat> so everything was tight, and like I was telling Brian, it's first, second, and third would usually come down to one point apiece. I mean, that's how close it was. So swing out sidebar, everything. So I know myself. And I know Rick Doberton, and I can't speak for the other guys back in the day. I'm sure they did too, but I know Rick and I were always in competition. I was always trying to keep up with Rick. And so points meant everything. So I had this, I'm showing everybody right now. You see that? It's, you know, it's the points and, and it's the rules and regulations. <clears throat> it's fine print, squint. Here, I'll hold it up to the camera. So anyhow. It's like a three-ring binder. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> free ring circuit. It's, 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 it's teal. It's got a pink stripe on it. Yeah, it's, it's traditional. And Doritos crumb wrapped in tweed. <laughs> and so we followed that. And I, when I reconnect, I stayed in touch with Rick for many, many years. But since we re reconnected uh, last, you know, five or six uh, years ago, we we were he has still on that list, and he can't find his, and I can't find mine, and we're looking for him, you know. But we we followed those to the T. So that's it was a deal, you know. A pro street car that you had to have this stuff. Now you've got people calling, you know, pro street is pro street. Like I said, I can't even get into it. You know, if it's tubbed, they think it's a pro street car, or it might as well be because it is. You know, I'm not gonna argue yeah, the points. But you know, like there's guys out there. It, it was, uh, you know, there's first of all before I say anything. For every car Deb and I built, I've always said there's a 50 to 75 cars that were built better that same year. So I'm, you know, we were always just trying to do the best we can. And everybody's got their favorites, and everybody's got their cars that they just kind of like. Well, I wouldn't build that if it was me. But that's it, everybody does what they want to do, and everybody needs to, you know, really grab onto that and appreciate the fact. You know, if a guy puts his heart and soul and money into something, you have to respect that. And uh, so. But there's guys, it's a fine line. You know, what do you call a, a, somebody shows up in a tea bucket, you know, with big wide Mickey Thompson's on it, and he, and he, and he enters it into the pro street competition. <laughs> you know. Well, we talked about that, and originally there were there was kind of a, whether it was official or unofficial, there was kind of a rule cutoff uh, as far as years, right? Yes, yes. Because it had to be just like pro stock within, so you know, it had to be within the, the current body yeah, style. Could, exactly. Current body style couldn't be, there was... Can't quite remember how many, but it was just a few years. You couldn't be uh, over a certain number of years old. And unfortunately, one thing that maybe I disagreed with in all this was they had a, I think it was 68 and newer cars, which left out some great cars. Plus, it left uh, during the time, you know, maybe fortunate because we were, Deb and I were very fortunate in winning Pro Street, you know, several times and along with other guys or girls but there was guys that weren't able to even enter their cars like uh rod Seabury 63 vet that was thing was killer and then uh you know scott sullivan's it was a 67 nova now <clears throat> maybe you know i'm not gonna speak for them maybe they wouldn't even entered in it but 
you know, if they had, those guys probably would have won hands down. Those were fantastic cars. That's a car that's that was just made to be, you know, tubbed up. Wow. Mm. So yeah, you leave out all those early ones. I mean, imagine if somebody would have taken the time and built like an orange colored '55. That would have set the world on fire. Yeah, with no seatbelts. Jab. No seatbelt. Scott, if you're listening. <laughs> but by the way, Scott, I'm reading off a script here. They're making me say all this stuff. Uh, in fact, who is Scott? Oh, Scott. Read this or the Man. dog gets it. Yeah, that's right. So uh, now, weird, weird question on that, though, because I always thought about this. You had kind of like the cars that were at the, the top of the Pro Street chain. And, and for a while, there was a whole flood of like Berettas. And cars like that that were just really cool looking now when you started to open it up i always wondered if it was that whole dare to be different movement when that kind of hit the magazines and everything had to be oh everything's just different so it was grab the goofiest possible car you could and it seemed like the recipe for the day was whatever you could find which was like a bullet nose studebaker oh, yeah. a nash anything like that yep. throw the fattest yeah, tires underneath that you could and that kind of became like synonymous with pro street for the longest time yeah that that movement came out really right at the end of our first go around. I think we got our last event that we attended <clears throat> with the Thunderbird was in ninety or ninety one. Yeah, so that was right about that's right at that point. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And there was then this bullet nose Studebaker. I think that was a real nice one out of Tucson or something. A guy built, and then of course uh, all of Troy's cars. You know he, he oh, yeah, Nash yeah. and all those cars. The sixty uh, came. Yeah. No. yeah. Buick, fantastic cars, but you're right. That movement came along, and that was uh, that was uh, they were pro street cars that were just a whole new, a whole new different look because it got away from the Mustangs, Camaros, and all that. Essentially, that's one of the reasons we built the Thunderbird <laughs> to get away from the Mustangs and Camaros and the Corvettes. And every, I mean, there were so many nice cars out there. We had to do something different. Same with our Oldsmobile. You know, just it was like the competition. It was we were all such good friends. I don't think there was any animosity among any of the guys. And, I, and another <clears> thing, it seemed like back then people weren't trying to build something that looked like your car or his car. Everybody wanted their own identity. Nowadays, a lot of guys they say, "Well, I want something that looks just like that." Absolutely, you're right. Everybody, we wanted our own identity. Uh, we all got along, and if we did have an issue with somebody, we kept it to ourselves. You know, I mean, obviously, every once in a while, I'd have something, you know, like uh, bothering me a little bit. <clears throat> Usually not among the uh, pro street fraternity or something, but somebody would say something about our car, and then I'd like to, I'd like to say something back, you know. And it's like, you know, I had so many guys walk up with their girlfriends and say, hey, see that Thunderbird there? I built that car. I sold it to this guy. And, you know, it was just, it happened with the Thunderbird, and it happened with the Olds, and it happened with the, he was just out, you know, trying, you know, and it was a gauge for us to how how well we did because if the girlfriend goes, Ugh, then we knew we didn't build the right thing, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the girlfriend liked it, then we knew we built the right car. Yeah. But yeah, it was. You're right. Social media. Everybody was trying to be different. The dare to different. You know. Uh, you guys were ahead of that curve. You guys were different before it was like. It seemed more like. It, you guys were the dare to be different crowd because you guys took a, like hell who takes a, a you know cutlass sierra and you know tubs it out 
And I do want to talk about that car because there's great stories in that. But you were doing stuff like that. I mean, so that wasn't a dare to be different. That was just go out and try to be different. You know, you kind of looked around and said, oh, cool. So you're building, you're building a vet. Cool. You're building a, a Beretta. Cool. What can I build that's different? Then it seemed to be try to be different is what came out. So that's when you had to go and be like the strangest kid on the block. You were looking for the weirdest thing. You're like, oh, I've got a Henway. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it's kind of weird that. Uh, I was always looking for something different. That was the uh, idea. Not so much with the Chevy motor in the 66. That was just something that, you know, at the time we weren't even in Pro Street. And I really wasn't even, you know, in going to car events. It was just to do something local to go cruise our town and uh so but the six or the 79 I said you know okay you know, we gotta do something different here so that you know we put a chevy in that and that you know raised a lot of flags with you know chevy lovers and ford lovers and that was I'm, the perfect car that I, i'm not trying to rub salt in that wound i know you're looking for that car but that car that that's the one that that really turned me on to those. I never looked at a, a Fox Mustang before that. Well, just didn't care. And I saw that car and it sat so low, and the wheels didn't sit way inboard like some pro street cars did. You know, you could tell the guy who just went overboard. He mm -hmm. was like, "Well, the rear needs to be narrowed four inches. I'm going to narrow it <laughs> yeah. twelve. Yeah, I want to be able to get the tires off without jacking the car up. <laughs> well, that was that car was as we discussed. That was a simple car. It was you know it had a it had a Alston chassis in it. But it was, you know, it was A-arm suspension out of a Mustang II, and that was big. Everybody was doing that. And, uh, you know, of course, the narrow end, but it was an economy car because, you know, I built it on a budget. I think I built the whole car for $12,000, $14,000. I painted it myself. <laughs> Everybody goes, yeah, we know. <laughs> <sighs> What's that run in it? Oh, that represents my sprinting days. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was... That was where we. I really wanted to start something. I want to put a Chevy. And one of my favorite stories with that car, and I wasn't even there to witness it. Rick Dobberton. This is right before I met Rick, and we were at the Street Machine Nationals, and he was, he's a Chevy guy, of course. And there's so many Chevy guys out there, and I I would pull up. Not not a lot of not a lot of duster guys. No, no, just a few. One cool duster though. Had this. Did I ever tell you about this? <laughs> and I was I was driving the car, the '79 with this or the Chevy in it. And I was pulling up to the side of the road to park it, and this is what Rick told me. This is what he heard. He heard a group of Chevy guys, or a group of Ford guys, I'm sorry. He goes, oh, look at that, man, that's Ford power, because I had the hood on it. <clears throat> and oh, that's, that's awesome, Ford, that thing kicked the Chevys, you know what? And Rick knew it had a Chevy in it. And, I, <laughs> and of course, I went to take the hood off. <laughs> And these guys, they had a cow. And Rick was just laughing. He said, yeah, yeah, really badass Ford car. You know, so that was the start of doing something different. And then getting into the Oldsmobile is I wanted to find. Now, there's guys, and I can't remember the uh, drag racers, but the, in the 70s, mid-70s, early 70s, all the way through the mid-80s, late-80s, I followed NHRA a lot. I think a lot of guys did, you know, I, the pro stock cars looked like a car you'd go buy and build. And there was guys, I think it was, that had cars. Uh, Buddy Ingersoll, I think, was running something like that. It's, uh, yeah, Warren Johnson had one. Warren Johnson, Warren, right. Yes. Yeah. And there was another uh, another uh, Johnson. Tommy, John, 
Tommy Johnson or somebody like that, not the the the, the father of Tommy Johnson. Tommy Johnson went on went on to run uh, fuel cars, I think. But anyhow, and I saw a couple of those, and I thought oh, those are kind of neat. But I just was bent on going out and finding a family front wheel drive car, and really tossing the dice. So went down to Edwards Oldsmobile in Phoenix, and there was this bone stock white Sierra. And uh, I told, I, as I recall, I told the salesman what I was going to do with it. I don't think he believed me. But we bought the car <laughs> with the intention of taking it straight home. So no Scotch Guard, huh? No. no, no. <laughs> what was that thing, Chad? Arizona. Oh, they try and sell you something out here all the time. Shoot. Arizona protection policy oh, or something from the sun. The Arizona yeah. protection yeah. policy. We'll pass. We'll pass. <laughs> yes. I just go and put a big old cream coat of cream uh, suntan lotion on the car. It works just as well. So that was the deal there. We drove the car. I liked driving it because it was nicer than anything we ever had. It was this brand new car, you know, zero mileage. So we drove it around for two weeks, literally getting groceries, going shopping and stuff. And then it was time to take it home and hack it up. So. Did you remember the last place you took it when it was stock? Just a weird question. Yes, I took it to... Uh, a newly built high school, Corona del Sol High School, which is just half a mile from my house. And it goes on a Saturday or Sunday, and nobody is in the parking lot. And I said, I got to take a picture of this thing, bone stock. And, and the thing is, I wasn't smart enough. I could take, gee, I could take a picture in my driveway. <laughs> Seriously, and I, I got that picture. In fact, I, I think some of you have seen that picture. Of stock. Oh, you're not going to hold that one up for the viewers, huh? Well, actually, I didn't bring it. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, he's, got, he's got this trifold display though it's pretty awesome it's like a, it's like a science fair brush <laughs> done on construction paper yeah it's just the history of pro street street was yeah. spelled wrong he, he filled that in really nice though yeah, street doesn't that? have three e's i was gonna say who knew it only had three e's <laughs> street a street <laughs> And then as we, were, oops, we were talking earlier is um, I uh, with Deb and I when we first moved out here I got the car and we were renting a house for close to a year I think and we got the we worked a little bit on the on the uh, Mustang the '79 Mustang in there but we started to cut the uh, Oldsmobile up in this in this two stall garage in this rental house. And, and the landlady would come by at least once a month for inspection. <laughs> Do we like cobbling it back together so it looked stock? Oh, and I, you know, she saw this brand new car, chop shop. You know, no wonder. That's how you're making the payments on your rent. <laughs> oh yeah, it came out of Tijuana doing. So, yeah. You know. But yeah, you know, it was funny. And, and, and the neighbors, I always had neighbors stopping by. There was a guy that lived right around the corner from us. His name was Bob, and I, I forget his last name. So if you're listening, Bob, I apologize. But I used to call him T Bucket Bob because he drove a T Bucket, and he'd always come by and watch the progress on that. And then it, all the neighbors would be fascinated on what I was doing to this brand new car. But the, uh, about halfway through the project, we moved just a block away into this new. Home, home division where they're building homes and the house had a three-stall garage. I was like, oh, God, three-stall garage. You know, I feel like a mega shop now. Wow. I could actually have room for my sanding blocks and my Bondo. So we moved there and I put the car on a trailer and hauled it over there because it was 
just the frame and the chassis at the time, or the, the chassis and the uh, body. So, and then we got a whole new set of neighbors that looked at us sideways. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, the, the clamp stuff, it's just moved in. Yeah, well, you know, we, there's this. <laughs> This sweet lady, she was an older lady. She used to walk by all the time, and she would stop by. I just marvel at the different type of cars you have in your driveway. <laughs> and she, one time she came by, and I don't know um, for you TV viewers out there, and uh, the rest of you guys, you, you three, uh, you all, Rick Dobertons, you remember his Surfit or Orbiter that he built out of a milk tanker and drove halfway right. around the world? Yeah, right. Right. He, part of his leg was coming through our, our Phoenix and he'd call me and uh, say, hey, I'm going to be going through Phoenix. Where do you live? So he came by and spent the night at our house. Of course, this milk tanker assault vehicle was parked in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a submarine in the driveway. You never saw that old lady again. Yeah. yeah. The Nautilus. And then of course <laughs> I can't go into it. This will be your job someday, but getting him on here and tell you, have him tell you stories of that thing. But me uh, too. Yeah. He's got some crazy yeah. stories, but yeah, there's people that just had no idea what this thing was. I mean, it looked like one of those, you know, a police, you know, it could be a yeah, like a big like a battering ram. Yeah, that yeah, thing. assault vehicle. You know, <laughs> battering ram. <laughs> <laughs> yep, full speed, Scotty. He he yeah. tubbed that in '92 as part of the <laughs> Dare to Be Different movement. Yeah. yeah, you got a lunar orbiter? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> just have to have one. <laughs> so we have some strange things in there. Of course, now we have the Indy cars that are sitting out in the curb in the driveway and. But now everybody's pretty much of a solid core group around there. We don't get many new neighbors for whatever reason. <laughs> but um, in fact, when somebody sells a house or putting a house up for sale, they always go, Matt, Matt, we got some people. Can you keep your cars inside? Because we're really trying to sell this house. Yeah. I don't know. If I went looking for a house and there's a guy with the Indy cars in his See? yard, I'd be like, tell the wife that we're moving in this When I was looking for a house. Right here. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we have a we live in an HOA, so every once in a while we get letters. I haven't recently, but I've been trying to be good. But we'll get letters from the HOA saying, "Put your toys away, or you're gonna get fined." I love that. Yeah, like you need more money for the HOA. I wonder how many kids I've put through like probably not a good school, maybe like a community college, just with the fines. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like Milner. <laughs> Put that in her CS. Opens up the the glove box and all these things fall. I'm gonna go to sell this place. They're gonna be like, uh, you know, there's been like 14 liens on this. <laughs> all over a weed. Right, a weed. A weed. You know that tree in my front yard, Brad. That that's didn't start as a tree. That actually, is a weed. <laughs> really? They had fruit. No, man, it's a weed. If you knock on it, it's still hollow. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so okay, the uh, oh my god, the old the old was really good to you guys as far as coverage went. I mean, they, yeah. it's so funny how it's just something we kind of touched on too. The era you built that car in, there was a whole lot more, um, that's what I'm looking for, like maybe positive energy from sponsors or companies that wanted to be on board to kind of co-market with you. 
I mean, it, it was a whole different ball game than it is today. I mean, today it's really tight and rigid. Uh, just just for comparison's sake, is that something you want to talk about at all? How you know how for that sure. kind of went? I yeah, mean, you're right. Uh, once the '79 was out there and it did fairly well for us, and you know, the magazines and the awards and stuff, and, and anybody that's involved and gets those things will testify to that. You know, it, it puts you up a little bit on a another plateau to where you're able to do some things that maybe you can't do when you're first starting out, like for the first eight years of Matt and Debbie, you know, fifteen dollar oh, yeah. budget on him. If you go from, you know, no stereo to a Craco stereo to all of a sudden you've got sound stream in it. Yeah, that was that was a yeah. different world. So when we started the Oldsmobile, you know, then we we were fortunate enough to have people contacting us, manufacturers. And we did put our feelers out and we sent letters and went to SEMA show and introduced ourselves. And we were very fortunate that uh, most everybody wanted to jump on board with this. It was big. The SEMA show is, is always big. But it seemed like the 80s, you know, was really taken off with the direction of the pro street. And, you know, the guys, you had companies starting to manufacture narrow rear ends, you know, and, and you had Alston chassis and all, you know, Mark Williams, everybody was into this, you know, the, 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 a lot of the guys were building pro stock chassis and stuff were now, you know, supplying to the pro street. So what was that like for you? Just, just a weird aside, I don't want to cut you off, but you go from an era where you were buying, you know, the rear end out of an X-Drag car with the slicks and everything, to all of a sudden you walk into a place like the SEMA show, which not to make you feel old, but being a pro street legend. At the time, the SEMA show was held in, like, I think it was room 14 at the, uh, the Flamingo. <laughs> just, just moved down the street from the dunes. It was an up. This is an adjoining room. It was great. <laughs> oh, that's when it expanded. Yeah, I remember that. Bathrooms are still closed, though. Were you at SEMA last year? It was awesome. It was in two rooms. <laughs> you should have been there. Oh, you wouldn't have fit. <laughs> What car was on display? Whatever was parked outside. <laughs> it was outside. The valve stems were inside. <laughs> Not at first. But the, um, so how do you, it's got to be weird though to go from an era or, or at least a point in that time when you're trying to source parts out of existing drag cars and things mm -hmm. like that to suddenly you can go into a place where you can buy a narrowed rear end or anything you need out of a catalog. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And it, it's got to be so weird, you know, because in a way you're like, you know, hey, we, you know, back in my day, yeah. we had to, yeah. Which, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Which back in, is... That was the early 80s, and back in my day in the That's not that days, long ago. That's, I know. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, you know, a SEMA show is a good, good place to do that. But then, yeah, they, all these companies started just coming out with all this stuff. It was, it was available to everybody. Uh, wonderful, you know. And, uh, we would take our accomplishments, if you will, to the SEMA show and, and, and show them these people. And, and if they wanted, they would want in on the next project because it was all down to, you know, <clears throat> dollars and cents to them. You know, I don't know what, I can't remember what it was, but to, to you know, a quarter page or a page ad in Hot Rod or Car Craft was tens of thousands of dollars, if I remember right. And they, they, they might supply any one of us. I, you know, a lot of the builders back then had their, you know, the ability to go in and show their, you know, show their accomplishments to these people and, and get people on board with them. So they were able to supply us with maybe five or $10,000 worth of parts 
that they knew that we're going to be on this car, and this car would be at the SEMA show next year. It's going to be a hot rod car, crap, popular hot riding, super Chevy, super Ford, blah, 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 whatever. And then, of course, any other magazine that came in from overseas, there's always these guys from uh, the UK that would come over. In Australia, there was an Australian street machine magazine that would always come to our house. You know, it's crazy. They'd fly in and take a couple shots and leave. Wow, that was quick. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's that was it. You know, they would just want in on the projects that were happening, and and you had to show them a track red record. You know, they knew that we would be going here and there. So it was it was it was a dollar and cents thing to them, and they would get involved if they felt it was you know good for their business. So we always tried to make them happy. You know, so and then that went rolled in. That was with the uh, a lot with the Oldsmobile. What are you going to do this different? What are you going to do? And I said, well, you know, it's going to have Lenko, which is, you don't see too much on the street. Back in the day, I think Lenkos are everywhere now, you know. <laughs> but oh, yeah, I've, got, I've got one of mine. Yeah. yeah, well, that Duster had one. But, I've, uh, <laughs> I got three on the tree, Lenko. <laughs> so, but, you know, and then another thing was, is uh, I wanted to go with an alcohol car. You know, burning methanol would be different. You know, so I wanted totally, I wanted a front-wheel drive family car converted to rear-wheel drive with a bone-injected small-block Chevy on alcohol with a Lenko <laughs> for the street. It ran course. Cool. It never got hot out here in Arizona. The, the, it's funny. It's another story we could talk about later, but the heat did affect the performance of the motor a little bit, but the, it, as far as, you know, the injection system, but it was just, it ran cool all the time. So, But it was a different, we wanted to build something totally different. That's just such a cool deal. I mean, and that that body style lent itself perfectly, though, to being tubbed out. It had just the right amount of weight in the quarter panels. It just had that right look yeah. to it. And the only modification I did to that body on the Sierra was uh, I stretched the rear wheel well six inches at the you know right at the center top and moved it back six inches, right. and then had to take the whole rear flare and move it back on the quarter panel. But that was the only thing, you know, because it's just you know with the, the Mickey's under there, it just didn't look right. It had to be opened up a little bit. Yeah, a little tiny on the wheel opening. Yeah. So it looked it looked better that way. So that Car was only fourteens. That was we had a lot of fun with that car, you know, just showing it and then uh it had uh, getting back to the thrush mufflers that were on it. Um, yes, we would uh, very, very big with the uh, the duster crowd. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> we would drive that thing. Of course, at the nationals, if you're not on the highway, you're cruising around the fairgrounds at you know turtle speed, and uh, so the the alcohol, you know, it, would, it was running a little rich and it would build up, and then always, I mean, I look in my rearview mirror, and almost <laughs> always when I'd come to a stop, somebody'd look underneath the back of the car just to see the rear end, and then I'd blip the throttle. <laughs> <laughs> and you should see all the guys were rubbing their eyes and running away and putting their shirts over their faces. I mean, it was it was classic. You know, that's back when you I, video cameras would have been great. But seriously, that was the, one of the, uh, the fun things to do. Was, was, uh, what did you do for entertainment? I mounted a GoPro on the back of my car. <laughs> Blind to the locals. But that thing drank so much alcohol. I mean, it was like... It was like a great friend. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you 
know, you don't jim you just yeah but, uh, yeah but you were buying every round <laughs> good point good point oh i'd buy it by the 55 gallon drum literally it takes several drums of alcohol with me to these events in the trailer and then wow. i had those racer i think they were uh five gallon six gallon eight gallon all those plastic jugs that all the drag guys had i bought a whole bunch of those and then i fill them all up and like the morning of the first day of the nationals i'd go around to the vendors this is when there's lots of vendors around you know i'd take i'd go over to this guy or alston's or i'd go over to bds or you know whoever bnm and i hey can you store a, a jug for me and all over the fairgrounds so no matter where i ran out of fuel i had fuel <laughs> <laughs> and I ran out plenty of times because it only had an eight-gallon fuel cell in it. Oof. And that's, it would just go through that fuel like crazy. So, yeah. So definitely not a reacher, huh? It wasn't the kind of car you were going to hop into. and uh... Yeah. No. Maracruz. No. Maracruz, <laughs> yeah. Why is that car on a trailer? <laughs> but you, I probably all you guys remember that ill-fated Hot Rod Magazine uh, article they did. Who's Kidding Who with our car and Jerry Marlin's 40. Right. That was done in the heat of summer in Phoenix out, out by Firebird. And the whole premise of that is, and I, they didn't say it was going to be called Who's Kidding Who. Um, I'm sure they sold it on. It's going to be a great yeah, overview on well, these two cars. The guys that were involved at Hot Rod that were doing it, and I didn't know at the time, but, but they were kind of down on pro street you know they were more they, they they were trying to read through more like what should be more of a driver and you know and it is what it is but so they get a hold and they we go out to the drag strip and jerry's car if i remember right was more of a racer than mine so we get on the strip and it was bleeding hot out there i mean it was we were sweating bullets and you know if i remember right we're paired up at the uh, on the lights there and we were idling because they were getting trying to get the right light and the, you know the photographer setting up and the right light and in the meantime it's super hot and the alcohol fumes are just piling up inside these thrush mufflers of mine just you know <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as the light turned I nailed it and the thing exploded I, I still have the muffler it split completely in two See, here it is. Let's wait uh, for this. The boomer that yeah. made the news here. Oh, yeah, it, it blew the muffler, split it wide open, blew up the bottom half of all the floor pans on the one side. It's the driver's side. Wow. And burned up a bunch of electrical wiring and everything like that. You know? So that was that. As far as that, you know, we just putted down the, after that, the thing was still running, but we just putted down to the end of the track. And if I remember right, Jerry's car did pretty well. I mean, it wasn't a blistering car. He, you know, it wasn't set up for all-out drag because our cars were supposed to show up there, drag and street. So, but then when we went out driving um, in, the, in the desert roads, there's two-lane roads out there. I probably still are, except for the main deal there is, we, you know, we did pretty well. We couldn't go very far, but this, the car stayed cool. And I think Jerry's car struggled a little bit in the heat. You know, so we both had our problems, but uh, the uh, magazine just focused on the problems. <sighs> and uh, I remember running into the uh, two of the people that were in charge. One was the publisher at the time, a hot rod, uh, or editor. And uh, 
the other one was one of the main photographers. I ran into him that later that year at SEMA. We just didn't have a very good conversation. <laughs> But, you know, but, you know, I got to give them this. Uh, and there was plenty of flack, you know, in the response editorial the next couple of months after that. Yeah, I know those cars, you know, they, they're all, you know, talk and know this and that. And, you know, we got, we ate some crow there. You know, the car just did not perform. And, you know, I could blame it on the heat. I could blame it on the mufflers. I could blame it on a million things. But the bottom line is it just didn't work like it should have. So I decided not to, I thought it decided to give up the alcohol. <laughs> got off the wagon yep give up the alcohol and move on but yeah, yeah. that was that was a you know Moreland's car is back on the street again i heard that i heard yep some, yeah. yep lorenzini's got it running yeah, it's back on the street it's a driver yeah it's a cool car yeah it is so speaking of back on the street whatever happened at the oldsmobile what became of <clears throat> There was a brief time that we owned, we built the Thunderbird while we still owned the Olds. And Orion Stereos used the uh, Thunderbird for some promotions. And I just, I think I told one time, I said, I got this Oldsmobile that, you know, was, I sh they, they knew the car. And I took all the magazines and stuff down there, you know, the sales pitch. And I said, well, you know, I can sell you this thing, paint it, do whatever you want with it. So Orion, Orion bought the car from me, and then they painted it several different times over a couple of years, and they used it for promotion. <clears throat> and probably about four years, five years after that, which after Deb and I got out of Pro Street altogether or out of cars for a while, they uh, offered it back to me, sell it to me. I think I could have bought it for like, like $20,000 or something like that. But as I explained to you earlier, Brian, they'd taken the, the uh, BDS supercharger off of it, put on something different. They took the Lenko out of it, put in an automatic, which I don't know why, because they never really drove the car. They said, oh, it makes it easier to drive. <laughs> it wasn't hard to drive with a Lenko. It's just like driving a three-speed stick, right. you know. Uh, but anyhow, uh, and I, I, I had the money at the time. I just didn't, had no interest in buying it back. You know, we just sold the Thunderbird. And it was all like, we're yeah. done. Plus, with that many coats of paint on it, you know, it rounded it off. It looked kind of like a new Taurus. <laughs> the paint was so thick, there was no door handles. <laughs> I didn't know they made a small back window, Sierra. <laughs> uh, Opera window. Well, the reason, the reason I brought that in was that, that was my pathetic attempt at a great segue here. There's a story about the Orion amp in the t-bird oh yeah this is this is a this is an interesting story uh the amps that were in this that uh, orion put in the car in, in 89 i think it was 88 89 were their best top of the line they did a whole system in it and you know it's, it's stereo sound they had a kenwood in it and they did all their speakers and but the amps were you know what they're shooting you know really pushing and they're using our car for display and, and promotion and it worked fine and we sold the sold the thunderbird and of course we bought it back in 2013 and when i i didn't care about the stereo when we got it back didn't work it just it was for what i didn't know if it was a loose wire or the thing was burned up i didn't care i wanted the car back i wanted it on the street you know i wasn't going to listen to the stereo much anyways so probably two years ago after everything else has been done 
gonna be kind of neat to get the system running again. You know, this antique, little antique stereo. And uh, you know, you know, he's got antique. You know, it's funny. Well, yeah, you know, there's a place to put your 45 in it with that little spacer thing, because you know, I put the needle on it. <laughs> hey, most of you guys know I'm an antique guy. You see my phone. This is an antique from the era of Bermuda shorts. <laughs> Hold, hold your flip phone up to the camera. There, Can right. everybody see my flip phone? It's still <laughs> okay. in operation. All right. All right, there we go. There we go. You see it? All right. Good, good shot. <laughs> Funny thing is, I'm actually holding it up. I was going to say. <laughs> well, I'm a visual, physical guy, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm holding it up from Brian. Hey, Brian, see this? I'm doing. I'm like that excited. Was that was that a good look? It was. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Okay, seriously. So. Uh, I decided I want to do stereo. I couldn't find anything that made this thing work. You know, work. I, just the lights would come on, but nobody was home, type thing. And it, so I, I got on eBay and started looking for amps. And then you know anybody that had parts for these amps, I can't remember the part number of them, whatever. And and, and looking for the. Uh, Preamps and then the other little mixer dudes, whatever you guys call those things. crossovers, crossovers, yeah. Uh, and there was one guy, and I he was like in New Jersey or something. That uh, there's plenty of guys out there that had crossovers, but they're all like used, no guarantee. And I said, Well, I got one of those, <laughs> I got used with no guarantee. <laughs> you know, I'll sell you mine, they have two. <laughs> That's my middle name. <laughs> so I finally found one that had uh, like a a year warranty on it or something. It said rebuilt warranty. And, and I, I didn't know where to start, if it was the amps, the crossover, but so I'm, I'm just going to do this. So I get on the internet and I'm continuing to look for um, crossovers and parts and pieces and the only thing I come up with a crossover and a fellow in New Jersey had one with a, I think he said a year guarantee on it. <clears throat> so it's a start. And I was writing him, emailing him back and forth what I was looking for. And he says, he, he says, give me, give me a call. He sent me his phone number. So I give him a call and he goes, well, I used to, you know, do a lot of Orion stuff and whatnot. <clears throat> so he said, what you need to do is get a hold of Bernie Bolin. Bernie Bolin is, was one of the co-founders, if not the co-founder of Orion Stereos. Now he had just left prior to before I started doing some uh, promotion work with Orion. So I, I didn't know him personally. We met a few times, a couple of deals. But, so bear this in mind, for the probably, I don't know, a good couple of weeks, I was searching all over the country in Canada for these parts for this system. And this guy in New Jersey says, well, you ought to get a hold of Bernie Bolin because he's the one that designed all that stuff. And I said, well, yeah, it would be great if I could find him. He says, well, you should just get a hold of him and, and uh, see what he's got. And I said, well, you have his information. And he says, yeah. And he gave me his phone number and I recognized the area code. Jeez, that's Arizona. <laughs> you know, and he goes, yeah. He said, where are you at, Matt? And I said, well, I'm in Chandler. He said, well, I think he's out somewhere near you. So I call him up and again, mind you, several weeks of looking all over the country and literally Canada for parts and thinking, you know, where am I gonna find these things? I call him and Bernie Bolin has a shop two miles from my house. <laughs> two miles. I mean, when I drove over there, I looked, the odometer is two miles to his doorstep. 
and uh, we, you know, we caught up on old times. And he said, uh, and then he said, I'll be over to your house uh, next couple of days. He came over and looked at the system, and he said, just pull everything out, pull everything out, and bring it to me when you can, and I'll go through it. And he was kind enough to do that. He dropped what he was doing. He's in the middle of uh, a new amp that he was designing, getting ready for his release for the CES show, I think. And he called me up, I think, a couple weeks later and said, it's ready to go. And I said, what's wrong with you? He said, everything was dried out. He said, all the diodes and whatever things. So all, the, all those moving parts in an amp. <laughs> yeah, all those widgets and gadgets <laughs> and things in an amp there were all dried out. And they need replacing along with your uh, all the parts in your preamp and your crossovers and things. And I said, where would you find the parts? He says, he literally he went on a site that was antique antique uh, audio parts that's where he found a lot of this stuff but he he designed these amps so he knew exactly what he's doing you know 30 years later and he got it all back so that's part of the whole i think is an interesting with the with the, the thunderbird because you know having the guy that originally designed those amps for orion actually rebuilding them 30 plus years later so cool it's, it's kind of like squeege painted the car 30 years later, you know, the same same guy painted it. was restored in the same garage that, uh, you know, we built it in. <laughs> so, as you can see, my life's kind of boring. 30 years later, where'd you, you know, go back to a high school reunion? <laughs> I'm still in the same garage. I've got dirt under my nails, paint in my nose. Looking at antique stereos. Yeah. Still can't weld. You know, <laughs> everybody else is doctors and lawyers. And, geez, Oh well. <laughs> your your other sideline, though, if you want to talk about that, the uh, the IndyCar parts deal. Yes, um, that's that's been a fun business. It really is. You get to meet a lot of people and do a lot of interesting things. I got into that. I my dad got me into the Indy Five Hundred back in nineteen sixty four. You got none of you guys were probably even born yet. Yeah, we were. Well, let me tell you, the Indy Five Hundred is a race. Although those two were. <laughs> hey 64 was a bad year at indy too. oh bad year my first year and i saw two drivers lose their lives right in front of me dave mcdonald yeah Eddie oh, Sachs, yeah. yeah and they went yeah. in the worst of ways too it was, it was yeah it was awful but anyhow um so i always was into indy cars and this and that you know indy 500 and playing with the toys and building the models and little gas-powered cars uh and then it got into the memorabilia end of it. You know, you could afford to buy this or that or a ticket stub or a picture or somebody's autograph. And then um, 19, or excuse me, around, uh, I don't know, 90, 95 or 96 or something, I had, somebody had a Alice or Junior's 87 IndyCar in the, in the paper for sale. I was always looking for deals of cars in the papers. And I went out and looked at it, and it was a March. Uh, it was a type of chassis with a Cosworth yeah. in it. And uh, it was, uh, I think it finished fourth that year. His dad won his fourth Indy that year. And little Al won uh, or took fourth. Anyhow, so ended up buying the car. I thought it was, it was expensive, but I thought it was a good deal. And, you know, I bought it just for a memorabilia piece to, wow, you know, I got this Indy car in the garage. And I've always been a little Al fan. And uh, after just sitting for a while, it kind of got boring, actually. You know, I mean, what do you, you know, if a car just sits, you know, I couldn't really go out and run it or anything. It was way too expensive to keep it, keep up. 
So you turned it into a front-wheel drive family car. That's right. That's yeah. right. Put a slant six on it. <laughs> slant six out of, out of uh, Dave Ramsey's uh, dustbin. <laughs> I'm sure he made a profit on it. So. <laughs> Celebrity indie yeah. car project. This is all the makings of a great TV show. <laughs> so anyhow, that was my first experience with an indie car, and I ended up selling it. And then... Um, Went to an auction that was advertised uh, back in Indianapolis. Uh, it was a charity auction, uh, and a lot of the teams were, you know, they were either, they were putting stuff up. And it was a charity auction, you know, race suits and car parts. <clears throat> and uh, the chassis manufacturer, Reynard, it was out of uh, was out of uh, the UK, England. They uh, had a bunch of obsolete. 1994 to 1999 IndyCar parts that they just donated, and they, you know, and I bought some of the parts, and, and there was a, a girl there that was, uh, she had a Reynard shirt on that uh, she was t keeping track of this and that. I said, you got any more of this stuff? And she's in Missouri. She goes, yeah, yeah, we got a whole bunch of stuff we need to get rid of. We got a warehouse. Our main North American Reynard uh, warehouse was right in Indianapolis. <clears throat> So I thought, oh, that's cool. And I bought a, a handful of stuff at the auction. And then I went back to Arizona and, and I said, man, I'd like to, I wonder what they got. You know, I'd like to, you know, the parts business would be kind of neat to get into uh, selling to racers with the older cars or memorabilia or guys want wall hangers. And, and uh, so I called them up and she said, well, we got a, all of our, our entire uh, inventory from 94 to 99. And this was in 2000, 2001, so they were getting rid of their all this stuff. She so didn't come back and look at it, and I got back there, and she was very gracious. And, and uh, one of the uh, uh, managers, if you will, came out and said, well, Matt, you know, we just can't piecemeal this stuff. I just don't want you buying this, buying that. And I don't blame them. Nobody wants that as a customer. You want to sell it all. So, you know, I said, okay. I said, but since I came out, I drove back there. I drove back there with a truck and trailer. There was a, uh, that was, was, excuse me, it wasn't 2000 because uh, Peterson Publishing put a reunion on for guys like me and Sullivan and Saberi and Dobberton, all those guys. It was a, a reunion deal. So we were honored. It was kind of neat. Uh, Peterson was there. and uh, But that's why we drove back there. And, and so we went over and went to this Reynard uh, warehouse. And I got a few parts. They let me buy a few, and I took them and put them in the trailer and took them back. And when I got back there, there was one of the rear wings was missing an end fence, it's, uh, the end plate that goes on the end of it. And I called up Melissa. That was her name at the Raynard. I says, I, I know I you can't do this, but can I buy the other wing to this? So I have a complete. She goes, Well, I'll do you one better. <laughs> and I, I know I told Brad the, the pricing on this, and I won't go into it, but they, they said. If you cut us a check and we have it here by tomorrow, you can have the entire warehouse full of inventory for this amount of money. And this was a case in point where there was a lot less zeros than I expected. So I told Deb, I said, I'm cashing everything in we got. <laughs> I got to go to the bank, got rid of it. And, and I had him a check there by doing the next day and uh, bought this, you know, entire warehouse full of them. So I went back there with a truck and trailer and made, fortunately my brother lives back there and he had a, a barn, a farm, and he had a lot of room to store parts. <laughs> I, I told him where afterwards, you know, what's it, ask or do it first and ask for forgiveness later, whatever the saying is. So he let me store it. I made many, many, many trips back and forth to Indianapolis and stored all the stuff up there. So that's what got me into the parts business. Very and, cool. And 
And after that, some of the race teams heard about it and they started, they were calling me, hey, we got this inventory, we got this inventory. So I was buying stuff like crazy. And in this business, you have to be Johnny on the spot. It's, you know, if, if I got a good customer and I got an X amount of parts and I run out of those parts, it's not like, oh, I'll order another one out of catalog or let me make you a piece. They're gone. They're, you know, like any old classic car, you need, there's only so many original pieces built. So I have to buy when somebody says, hey, we got an inventory, you know, and, and it's usually, you know, cash. They want cash and you got to do it now and you got to take it off. So you're getting stuff that you've already got 30 or 40 or 50 of just to get two or three of the other pieces. But that was, that's pretty much how I got into it. And then it got into the cars. I started buying cars and, uh, you know, I had, any, had anywhere from 10 to 15 Indy cars at a time and rotating them back and forth. I had them stored, I had them stored in Indiana and out here. And there's a guy, there's a carbon fiber guy up in Phoenix that stored a few for me up at his shop. A neighbor stored one in his garage <laughs> for me, you know, so yeah. Uh, and, uh, it was just, uh, for a while it was, it was really good, you know, buying all this stuff up and now I'm trying to taper back quite a bit. So, but it's, it's a fun business interesting right on <clears throat> i'm down to two cars one that I, I you know i drive and the other one's it's completely disassembled it's even the steering rack is disassembled you know it's completely disassembled but you know if if you know if a customer wants it i could have it put together in a week's time you know, less motor you got some cool stuff i will say but you know touching on the indycar <laughs> deal and getting back to the uh Television Motion Picture Car Club is, you know, when I first uh, met the guys and got into the club, getting back to what I said earlier, they wanted to use the IndyCar for an episode of NCIS LA, and which is really intriguing. Uh, the, uh, the producer called me up. I said, what do you have in mind? He says, well, what we want to do is it's an episode where uh, this girl car thief steals a race car from a racetrack just drives down through the streets and trying to get in there. 50 cop cars are chasing them through the streets of LA. And I said, oh, that's cool. I said, we're going to actually, yeah. So what we want you to do is drive this car, you know, she says, how fast is it? I said, well, it's got a small displacement motor in it right now. It's not fast. Oh, I mean, in the gearing, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, that'll do, that'll do. And so I, uh, well, I was stoked about it. And I said, well, I want to be the driver. He says, we can do that. We can have you drive, but you're going to have to put on a blonde wig and sit low in the seat. And I want this will be cool, you know? Sing a Britney Spears song. And they literally block off down, you know, the streets in L.A. And I go, <laughs> he said, just drive as fast as you can and get out. You know, you know, we'll chase you, stunt drivers and cop cars. Well, unfortunately, there's a few events that uh, came upon. And I didn't know this until, the, I mean, the night before we're getting ready to leave, the producer guy called me and says it's canceled um there's some other situations that came up and and then they filmed the car they filmed the whole episode later with a cobra you know shelby cobra which you know my eyes is, is cool <laughs> you know, that's pretty I mean, cool you know, I mean, you know you replace the indy car i would you know i fortunately i was friends with uh carol shelby and and so it was kind of like that would really be cool to, you know i'd like to go over and watch this deal and stuff but we didn't go over, but it was a fun deal. But prior to not prior to knowing that we weren't going to do this episode, is I didn't know what the limits were on this car, on a street course or a street service. You know, going around a through an oval like it 
Phoenix International is what it is. You go around in circles till you get dizzy. This, I wanted to see where my limits were, how fast I could go slipping and sliding before I hit a curb. And uh, fortunately, I didn't hit a curb. But So I got this thing out, and it didn't have, I don't think it had much, it, it didn't have the nose on it. And uh, so, you know, it kind of looked a little funny because I, I didn't want to bang up the nose. Those carbon fiber noses and wings are extremely expensive. So I was going around the neighborhood, sliding this and doing this. And I, I couldn't get it to slide too much, but it was, it was and my last take, I'm going around and, you know, lo and behold, there's this uh, police officer. I, there's a, there's a three-way stop. I come up to, I, and I stopped at all the stop signs. I was obeying the law in this car, but I stopped and here she comes. It was a female and she, and I just, I, she looked at me and I just saw the evil eye and I pulled the car to the curb, shut it off, pulled the steering wheel out and climbed up, climbed out of the car and she just kind of pulls up and rolls her window down. She goes, I don't suppose that's legal, is it? And I said, no. Said, Do you have a registration? I said, well, no, it's not legal. <laughs> you know, and, and she just, no humor. No, I thought, you know, I have all the respect in the world for police officers and, and female police officers. I just, you know, really respect them. And I thought, well, she's really going to hammer me on this. And she just said, I just don't want to see that driving anymore. You should keep it off. I don't want you to start that thing up. I want you to take it home. You know, it's it was, if I recall, it was a 115-degree day. And I'm in my, I didn't put my driving shoes on because I didn't think I'd need, I was just driving in my socks. And it's, you know, black top around the house. So the neighborhood. So here I am pushing this car in my socks. And it was it was a bit warm. And uh, I I probably pushed the thing. I don't know. Well, you know, Brad, you know the layout over there. I can't oh, remember yeah. where that, uh, that long strip. I don't know. Is that a quarter mile or something? I don't push it until I saw her disappear and I didn't jump in and take yeah, it well, off. That's exactly what I did. I pushed, she, she parked down the street and she kept watching me. She was parked. And <sighs> I pushed it around one corner. I pushed around another corner. And once she couldn't see me anymore, and obviously I got a self-starter in that car. I jumped in it and hit the ignition. It fired right up. And I drove it home and went right in the garage. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so but that was something I was trying to do to get ready for this film shoot, you know, for this episode, because I didn't want to, I had no idea what the limitations were this car driving it like a maniac through streets. So that was interesting. It's like a full-on die thing. Every, everything you ever wanted to do as a kid, what do you want to, I want to drive a race car through the streets of LA and have cops chase me and not actually go to jail. That's right. And get paid for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm in. I, the <laughs> irony of it, the irony of it is here I am practicing around my house and I get the cops chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a real deal. And it was a girl with blonde hair. I was like, what? <laughs> I tell you. And you know, you know that there's somebody listening to this podcast is like, well, my dream was just to put on a blonde wig and drive around in a car. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt did that. He just wanted to do it with a race car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good times. So it was a... Uh... It's been a long, fun, strange journey. You know, like I said, uh, certainly Deb's been a big part of making it all happen. You know, definitely. It's you know, finances are huge to to build cars and play with cars and do stuff like that. But I think it's you know just equally as important to have somebody 
you know, support you as much as she has. You know, it gives you, it really, you know, gives you the uh, support and the backing you need. And, you know, there's been times that uh, she's... <laughs> yeah, it's not all <laughs> perfect. <laughs> kind of, yeah, I mean, kind of looked back and looked at me sideways, but it, it all, it's all worked out well. We're still doing it, you know. We 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 took we had a little hiatus and took some years off, but we got back into it. And not quite as many events, moving quite slow. <laughs> which which is good though. And like you guys were so much fun at the uh, the Hot Wheels 50th anniversary thing. And oh that, yeah. that was such a that was fun. God, that was that was a tough layout there. Speaking of being hot, I mean that was oh. that was a hot day. Yeah, <laughs> up. yeah, it was a crazy oh. and yeah. And, such a diversity of vehicles. I mean, I think we were parked right beside a, a lifted truck that was got to be three stories tall. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was afraid of wind is going to blow over on. T- it's like it was top heavy. Center center gravity was way off on that bad boy. But yeah, it was a fun deal. It was kind of cool to hear all the people walking by. Who there were there were people who recognized it. There were people who'd never seen it before. You know, and you hear people making comments about it, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Not not a negative word. Everybody's just like, "This is the coolest thing." Yeah, that was that was much appreciated. It was. Uh, I I, do, I truly like the people that enjoy the people that have never seen it or don't know. You know, talking to them about it because it's fresh to them and it's fun to just tell them about it. And then you get the guys that uh, swear that we built the car after the Ravel model came out. Like Ravel designed this car and then we built a car to look at it. You know? <laughs> and uh, of course. And, you sure. know, at some point you just kind of want to go along with it, just like I did when the guys would show up and tell their girlfriends, hey, I used to own that car. I built that car. And you, you kind of want to go along with it. But, uh, I, you know, sometimes you got to be serious. That's... Okay, you know, got to, you know, help out. And that's, I think that's one thing that we're looking into to more uh, or more is kind of on a charitable aspect, you know, you just you don't want to die with all this stuff you know and there's there's guys out there that really appreciate what we've done and they've let us know about it and of course with social media now they you know it's you see a lot of this stuff so there's some guys out there that uh love the thunderbird when it came out and they still love it so there's in and and the Oldsmobile. so i got you know a plethora a plethora he's got a plethora Ooh, more a plethora, piece. Yeah, a plethora of parts and pieces and things from the cars or something that had to do with the cars or awards or something like that that I'll never know what to do with. So I give these things to these guys and they just think it's great, you know. Tires off the Thunderbird that were, you know, I mean way cool. I mean if it just you know, parts and pieces, license plates, articles of clothing, you know, that were uh yeah, well, I do appreciate you leaving the pair of underwear that you wore when you were building the the cage for the car. Oh, yeah. On my couch, yeah. I, You're yeah. welcome. It's stuck right there. <laughs> Thank <didn't> you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so looking into that, you know, I don't know. And if they like it, fine. You know, you know, if they don't, you know, they they, they just love this, the, the memorabilia of all the, all, the, all the Pro Street stuff back in the day. And so I try and do that. But on a serious note on that is doing stuff for kids, um, you know, Deb's a you know a children's pastor, so if there's children, you know kids at the events, we always you know try to spend a lot of time with them, you know, not only handing out goodies or something to them or free posters or shirts or something, but 
you know, doing something meaningful. And, and we're looking, and I, you know, we, we talked about this last week about doing something, something, trying to get up a fundraiser type thing, a charity, a charity that would go to different, you know, charities for kids. I'm a big proponent of, you know, animal shelters and things like that, okay. too. So I don't know if, it, you know, I have the moxie to pull something like that off. You know, there's there's guys with, you know, the celebrity to be able to do that stuff and they can raise a lot of money where, you know, we're just in a certain genre, you know, and if we can find people that want to get involved in that with us and we're all for it because, you know, I, it's time to start giving back, you know, to everybody's that's, you know, out there that's appreciated what we've done. And then of course to the kids or the shelters or whatever out there. Let's talk off air about that. All right. Yeah. You can, that's something we can make happen. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Heck yeah, it is. Hey, <clears throat> next year we're going to have a raffle for the Thunderbird, fifty cents a ticket. Awesome, no limit. <laughs> so the guy that buys the ticket wins. <laughs> no, you know, a lot of things cross my mind, and you got to be careful. I do because I don't want to come across as like, well, everybody's going to want this thing, you know? Right. Like I said, there's. With the, the cars, the quality of cars that were built back in the day and that are being to, done today, and there's always 75 cars better than ours. That's my, you know, theory on this, you know, or, or more that if anybody would even care about this stuff, I mean, that if it's worth something, someone, and then that, that money can go to help someone, then that's, you know, call it a home run. Hey, hey awesome. Brian, we're going to find out where he bought the raffle tickets at, and we'll just buy a roll so we have <laughs> we have the number. <laughs> we'll just split it. We'll just take turns driving it. We'll, we'll, we'll be good. This will be awesome, man. See? I get to drive it home. Well, okay, wait. we gotta, we got to talk about it, but we, we just, it was an closer. idea. Good <laughs> <laughs> uh, I live closer. Oh, my God. Just a stone throw. What's that? Just a stone throw. Exactly. Just don't, unless you're in traffic. Yeah, 45 minutes and 10 miles. It's so perfect. That's how I got that nick in my window. Somebody actually threw a stone. <laughs> <laughs> it was Brian. I, I wouldn't do that to you. As far as you know. Uh, as far as you need to know, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for coming over tonight. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah, Matt. Thank you very me. much, Thanks dude. for having me. It's fun. Oh, we'll do some more. <clears throat> well, there's a million things we could have touched on, but maybe this gives everybody a little idea of who we are. Well, yeah, so I guess it's time for you to move your tassel to the left side of your fez. <laughs> done, done. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll that be in the outtakes somewhere. Um, anyway, thank, thanks for coming over, man. You bet. Thanks for having me. It's been, uh, it's been an experience. Uh, well, thanks. <laughs> love sharing stories. If anybody... Wants to listen? I'm sitting here, <laughs> sitting here in the to show your pictures and yeah, yeah. your oh, shirt and my nice shirt I wore. I shaved awesome. a couple weeks ago, so <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> Didn't look like he had on a uh, you know some kind of a uh, hairy turtleneck, which was nice. You're wearing a sweater. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those fake turtlenecks that tuck in. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Couldn't ever afford the real deal. Is that Angora? No. <laughs> Angora. Just me. It's an Armenian sweater. 
Pangora. I got an ankle. <laughs> Armenian sweat. <switch. laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been uh, good to chat with you, Alex. Yes, sir, as well. And look forward to meeting you. Absolutely. And lots of things coming up this year. Good stuff. Yeah. 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 We can't. We, we can't mention the one thing quite yet. I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to half of what I told you tonight's even true. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That that's kind of not a good thing that we fired our fact checker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of great stories out there, you know, as far as what we've done and, and over the years and building cars and things that we can share next time. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's hard to put a, a lifetime of fun into what's it been four hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, four think about this. Well, hey, uh, thanks again for stopping by, man. Thanks for coming here, uh, hanging out in the sweat box. Formerly known as uh, Problem Child Custom Studio, now known as uh, Round Six East. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Of course. Appreciate it. Yeah. Fun. We'll get you back in. We'll talk about the stuff we kind of talked about off air. Sure. That's fun. Yeah. You know where I'm at. I know exactly where you're at. I'm going to come over and bug the hell out of you. And hopefully I'll be around for another couple of years. That'll be so, good. Yeah. I'll plan to be around a couple more weeks, so this is going to work out fine. <laughs> <laughs> You know you're nervous when your elderly dog might outlive yourself. So yeah. Every day I look at, oh no. I got oh, well. the dogs oh. usually out there just divvying up my stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good times. Best of ahead. luck to you guys with your podcast and all your endeavors you got coming up. Well, thanks. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Oh man, we're trying. I do know all. I do know all the way back from our commercial shoot in California. We listened to your podcasts all the way back. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was a rough. I drove, and I, I had headphones on. <laughs> I kept looking at my flip phone. She had one of those new gadgets, a smartphone. No, seriously, we listen. You know, it's it's good stuff. Well, thank you. And now you're part of it. That's right. Look at that. You're part of the lore. You'll like never listen read. to it again. <laughs> <laughs> never listen. To it. I know I won't listen to this one. You gotta, you, gotta think, you gotta think this one through. You're like, do I share? I'll the ride home with me. Do I share this with her friends? <laughs> you just ignore it. Yeah. Do I? Yeah. What if I could get on another podcast that would publish before Friday? <laughs> the lost episode. <laughs> the lost. The stay lost. <laughs> stay lost. Well, hey, thanks again for listening. Um, again, man. Uh, as always, Pro Street. IndyCar parts mogul, all around nice guy, Matt Hay, live here in studio. Well, live for me. You, you poor bastards, you weren't invited, so you'll be listening to this later. So that's what you get for not being a Patreon sponsor. Uh, <laughs> Deb sends her regards. She would like to have been here. Well, thank you. We, yeah, seriously. We, we, Next we time for sure. She had a prior engagement, and uh, but. Uh, we would love to have her on because she's a big part of everything that you do and you've done. And mm-hmm. we'll, we want to have her back on to get the truth about all your stories. So. Yeah. <laughs> no. Right. It's probably a good thing she wasn't here. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, though. Thank you again. Uh, as always, at the end of the episode, I am a, uh, I'm, 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 I'm a slant six powered Brian. There you go. I'm a much narrower rear end Brad. And I'm a less fezzier Alex. Catch <laughs> 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 you guys next time. All right, guys, take care. Thanks. All right, we'll Thanks. see you.
Good luck. Good luck tomorrow. Great. Alex. Right, thanks, Matt. Bye. Take care, Brad. Hey. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to keep up with us gearheads over on our website at www.round6pod.com. And if you'd like to, we invite you to follow along with us over on Facebook, Instagram, and be sure to check out all of our latest videos on youtube.com. Big thanks once again to our sponsor, Trailer Tug. Please visit them at trailertug.com and learn more about the world's strongest trailer dolly. Our listeners receive 10% off their order when they use the discount code ROUND6 at checkout or when calling their order in. There's a lot of New York guys that died in that movie, in that, in that commercial. I don't even know where they came from. <laughs> we were sitting around with Maddie, and Matt, Matt, Maddie kept asking for food. And then, and then, <laughs> Maddie. <laughs>